We are moving toward Christmas. I don't know if you feel like you are ready for that, whatever that means for you, that you have purchased all of the things that need to be purchased, that you have prepared the house for hospitality in the way that it needs to be prepared, that you have prepared your heart for the celebration of Christmas. Uh, but we're, we're headed that way, and probably some of you are very excited because of the people that you will be spending time with this week. And there may be some of you who are dreading uh, the people that you will be spending time with this week. And there are probably some of you here who uh, will be disappointed about the people that you're not spending time with this week. There is something particular about this season that we uh, say, okay, this time is set aside, this, this moment is set aside for us to spend time with other people, and we rejoice when that happens, and we are uh, disappointed when it doesn't happen. But we, this morning, want to look at what it means to be in the presence of God, and what it means to celebrate and rejoice, to be full of a great joy because of the presence of God. Of God. And so if you would turn with me to Isaiah chapter 12, that's where we're going to begin this morning. Isaiah the prophet is uh, speaking to the people, declaring the words of the Lord, and uh, has been talking with them about the difficulties that they have been enduring and why they are enduring those difficulties, and then is promising them this great day when somebody will come, a root of Jesse will come, and then in chapter 12, he says this, you will say in that day, I will give thanks to you, O Lord. For though you were angry with me, your anger turned away that you might comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song, and He has become my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation, and you will say in that day, Give thanks to the Lord, call upon His name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth. Shout and sing for joy, O inhabitant of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. For great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. Isaiah is, is saying this in that day, in that, that time, in that time when God comes again, we will rejoice in that. We recognize, look at verse, verse 1 of chapter 12 says, in that day I will give thanks to you, O Lord, because though you were angry with me, your anger turned away that you might comfort me. He's been talking to the Israelites and saying, look, you have been so sinful and so wicked, and the anger of the Lord has been against us. But in that day, we're going to praise the Lord. In that day, he says, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, because although you had been angry with us, you have turned your anger away. Though you were angry with me, your anger has turned away that you might comfort me. And some of you may have felt that before. 
There was sin in your life. There were things that you have done that is in your background. Maybe it's the distant past. Maybe it's the not so recent, uh, not so distant past, the very recent past. Those things that you go, I wish I didn't do that. I wish I hadn't done that. Those things that you regret and you know that is not in keeping with the character of God. And if God knew, if God saw what you had said, what you had done, if God saw that sin, He would be very disappointed, very angry, very upset. And we all find ourselves in that place, right? We all find ourselves doing things that we wish that we hadn't done or that we knew we were not supposed to do, things that we regretted later. And know that in those moments, we are not pleasing God. And when I look back across my life, I say, oh, wait, there are a lot of times in there where my life was not pleasing to God. And so what, what should our response to that be? Well, he says, I'm going to give thanks to you, O Lord, because though you were angry with me, your anger has turned away so that you might Comfort me. Isn't that amazing? We have a God who, when we sin, is angry with us for our sin. And yet, rather than turning away from us and rejecting us and saying, that's it, we're done here, no more. Instead, he turns toward us. And he comforts us in, his, in our sin. And he says, I am going to forgive you. If you will repent and turn back to me, I am going to forgive you of your sin and comfort us. Comfort us. Have you found yourself at, at times dealing with the consequences of your sin and lamenting not only what you had done, but also the consequences that you're now dealing with? Yeah, there's the regret of the things that I did before, but then I know I deserve these, this stuff that is the, the falling out, the results of the things that I had done before. And that's so hard too. And it is in that place here with Israel that, that uh, Isaiah is saying, look, we have sinned. The Lord was angry with us, but he is going to turn toward us and is going to comfort us in our affliction. The affliction that we recognize that we deserve. We recognize that we do deserve it. And yet God is going to comfort us. Behold, he says, verse 2, God is my salvation. I will trust and I will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song and he has become my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. God is the one that when we are in need of saving, he is the one who responds as the Savior. You know, for a lot of people, God is a distant judge. He's a distant judge. He is up impartially judging us and all that we do. He's a very harsh master. 
But that's not the picture here that Isaiah gives to us. That while we were in our sin, yet God becomes our salvation. He becomes our hope. He becomes our strength when we are weak. He becomes the one who is right there with us, strengthening us, delivering us out of our times of trouble. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid. For the Lord is my strength and my song, and He has become my salvation. Oh, how we should be trembling in the presence of God, in fear. And yet we have no need of that. Because when we come to Him, He will not respond in anger, but He will respond with gentleness and compassion. How cool is that, God? So that He says, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And in that day, give thanks to the Lord and call upon His name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. And let this be made known in all the earth. Shout and sing for joy, O inhabitant of Zion. For great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. In that day, there will be this time when the Lord is right in our midst and we will rejoice and we will praise. That's what Isaiah is saying. We are going to sing for joy because God is going to be with us, our Savior, our Deliverer, the one who is there. And even as he's talking about this, even as he is prophesying about this day that is to come, he's also thinking back, looking back at the things that God has already done. This is not out of character for God. This is not some new kind of revelation that has never been seen before. Rather, Isaiah is pointing backwards and saying, Look, look, sing praises to the Lord, for He has done gloriously. He has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth. So as I was thinking about this and thinking about this time that Isaiah is doing this, I was thinking, what is his confidence in this? How does he know that this is how the Lord will respond? And and I thought back, as he's telling them to shout and sing for joy because the Holy One of Israel is in their midst, I thought back to the first song of Scripture. And in Exodus chapter 15, You may remember the context for Exodus chapter 15. The context is that they are on uh, the side of the Red Sea, and they are dry, and they are safe. And this is miraculous because they had used to be on the other side of that sea. And they have come through that sea and now are on this side where they are safe and secure. And the army that was pursuing them, the the people that had oppressed them, is now wiped out. And they are safe and secure on this side of the Red Sea. And it says in, in Exodus chapter 15, verse 17, You will bring them in and plant them on your own mountain, 
The place, O Lord, which you have made for your abode. The sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. The Lord will reign forever and ever. For when the horses of Pharaoh and his chariots and his horsemen went into the sea, the Lord brought back the waters of the sea upon them. But the people of Israel walked on dry ground in the midst of the sea. Then Miriam the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a tambourine in her hand, and all the women went out after her with tambourines and dancing. And Miriam sang to them, Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. They recognized that God was right there with them in their midst, that he was their savior. They looked, at their, they looked at the hopeless situation with an army bearing down on them from behind and a sea before them in front. And they went, this is hopeless. We are going to get slaughtered out here and we are all going to die. And the Lord delivered them through. And they celebrated in his presence. How great is our God who is with us, who is our Savior, who has delivered us. And this is the first recorded song in Scripture. Now, I have trouble believing that there weren't songs before that. I think they were singing songs even before that. I think that people and all of creation have been singing songs since the beginning of time, but this is the first recorded song that we have, and it is a celebration of God's presence with his people and his salvation, the salvation that he provided for them. Well, God, from that point on, was the God that was in their midst. He was the God that was in their midst. He made his presence known to them. Some of you may remember the stories from Sunday school, the, the stories of the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire. This presence of God that the, the whole people, they would follow the cloud and they would follow the fire and they would follow it wherever it went. And when it stopped, that's where they would stop and that's where they would camp. And when it got up and it left, they would get up and they would follow it. And it was the presence, a representation of the presence of God right there in their midst. And this is what it says in Exodus chapter 40. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting. This is Exodus chapter 40, verse 34. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Throughout all their journeys, whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not set out till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day, and the fire was in it by night, in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. This, I, I just, I, I want to be there in that moment. I picture myself there in that moment. And there's aspects of it that I, I have I've been uh, to some of the hot places in Israel. And I go, I, I'm not sure I actually want to camp out down there. But... To be camping and from your tent to see in the middle of the camp, the tent of meeting, the place where Moses, the friend of God who would speak to Moses as a man speaks to a man face to face, that Moses, that tent of meeting where the presence of the Lord would be and Moses would go into the tent of meeting to talk with the Lord. And how would I know that the Lord was there? Because there was the cloud. 
that represented his presence. And so during the day, I would look and I'd go, is the Lord in our camp? Yep, there he is. There's the presence of the Lord right there on the tent of meeting. The one who brought us through the Red Sea, the one who saved us and delivered us from oppression in Egypt, he's here. You wake up in the middle of the night and you wonder, is the Lord still here? Is the Lord still with us? And you look, yep, tent of meetings all lit up. The presence of the Lord is here in our camp. The presence of the Lord is right here in our midst, our Savior, our God. He's right here. How is that different from all of the other gods? Those distant gods, those worthless idols, carved out of stone or out of wood, that all the other nations had, that they would go and they would pray and they would hope that somewhere, somehow, something would hear them and respond. But the Israelites didn't have that problem. They didn't have that challenge because they knew that their God was with them. They saw his powerful acts. They saw his provision in the way that he provided manna for them, in the way that he provided water for them, in the way that he provided meat for them right there in the desert. They saw his miraculous deliverance, his miraculous provision, and his mighty glory and presence right there in their midst. This was the celebration of their God being with them in the tabernacle, the tent of meeting. And in that tabernacle was the Ark of the Covenant or the Ark of the Testimony. Where you may recall that Moses had gone up onto the mountain to speak with God and to get from God what it was that they should be doing. And he recorded on the two tablets the, the Ten Commandments. He, he re recorded the law, the, the instruction from God, look, I'm going to be your God and you're going to be my people and because of that, here's how we're going to interact. You are going to be my people and you are going to live a holy life before me and I'm going to live with you and I'm going to provide for you a land and a salvation and I'm going to provide you rich abundance and I'm going to be your God and you're going to delight in my presence. And Moses had inscribed that instruction onto those two tablets and put them into this box, the box of the covenant, the box of the testimony. We called it the ark, but it's literally just a, a box, very fancy box, with huge long poles that would be used to carry that box because that box represented the presence of God with them. It represented the presence of God with them. And so that ark was there in the tabernacle, in that tent of meeting. And when the, the glory of God in the cloud or the fire would get up and, and go, then they would get up and they would go. And they would carry the ark with them as a representation that their God was in their midst and there was no doubt for them that their God was there in their midst. So that years later when God brought them into the land of Israel and he, he said, okay, now this is yours. And he gave it to them and they built their cities and their towns and their places of residence and the places to live. Then David was established as king. And you, you know I'm, I'm skipping over a, a lot of there. You're going to have to go back and read the old, whole Old Testament. I don't have time this morning. 
But they get into that land and they have established David as king. And David says, you know what? We need a place for the Lord to be. We need a place for the Lord to be. And they got the ark and they started bringing it up to Jerusalem. First Chronicles chapter 15. Starting in verse 25. So David and the elders of Israel and the commanders of thousands went up went to bring up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord from the house of Obed-Edom with rejoicing. And because God helped the Levites who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant, they sacrificed seven bulls and seven rams. And David was clothed with a robe of fine linen, as were all the Levites who were carrying the Ark. And the singers and Shehaniah, the leader of the music of the singers, And David wore a linen ephod, so all Israel brought up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord with shouting to the sound of the horn and trumpets and cymbals and made loud music on harps and lyres. And they brought in the Ark of God and they set it inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And they offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before God. What a huge celebration. Because the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of the Testimony was being brought and put in this tent. This place that David had prepared for the presence of God right there in the midst of Israel. And David said, oh, but I want him a house. I want God to have a house. I want there to be not just a tent, but a mighty building for the presence of God to be. And David didn't get to do that. He made a lot of preparations, a lot of plans, gathered a lot of material, but it was left to his son Solomon for the building of that temple. And in 2 Chronicles chapter 5, starting in verse 2, it says, Then Solomon assembled the elders of Israel and all the heads of the tribes, the leaders of the fathers' houses of the people of Israel in Jerusalem to bring up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord out of the city of David, which is Zion. And all the men of Israel assembled before the king at the feast that is in the seventh month. And all the elders of Israel came. And the Levites took up the Ark. And they brought up the Ark, the tent of meeting, and all the holy vessels that were in the tent. And the Levitical priests brought them up, and King Solomon and all the congregation of Israel who had assembled before them were before the ark, sacrificing so many sheep and oxen that they couldn't be counted or numbered. Then the priests brought the ark of the covenant of the Lord to its place in the inner sanctuary of the house, in the most holy place, underneath the wings of the cherubim. The cherubim spread out their wings over the place of the ark so that the cherubim were made, made a covering above the ark and its poles. And the poles were so long that the ends of the poles could be seen from the holy place before the inner sanctuary, though they couldn't be seen from outside. There's nothing in the ark except the two tablets that Moses put there at Horeb, where the Lord made a covenant with the people of Israel when they came out of Egypt. And then when the priests came out of the holy place, for the priests who were present had to consecrate themselves without regard to their divisions. And all the Levitical singers, Asaph and Heman and Jeduthun, their sons, their kinsmen, all arrayed in fine linen with cymbals and harps and lyres stood 
east of the altar with 120 priests who were trumpeters. And it was the duty of the trumpeters and the singers to make themselves heard in unison, in praise, and in thanksgiving to the Lord. And when the song was raised, the trumpets and the cymbals and the other musical instruments in, the, in praise to the Lord. For he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. The house, the house of the Lord was filled with the cloud so that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. God was present in their midst and they rejoiced. They rejoiced. How loud can we sing? How much noise can we make to celebrate how great our God is? How many rams and bulls and sheep can we sacrifice to acknowledge how great our God is? Our God is here with us. And you know there are times when I feel very alone. And I go, oh Lord, are you still here? Are you still with me even now? Do you see me here now? Do you see and know what's going on? And I have talked with many people who feel that way. They say, I feel so alone. I feel so alone. Like nobody sees me. Like nobody cares. Like nobody is with me. I just feel so alone. What a huge contrast between these celebrations that we're reading about here in the Bible about the presence of God being with his people in their midst and the feeling that so many have today that they feel so alone and like where is God and does anyone see or care? And what Isaiah is doing in Isaiah chapter 12, we'll go back to there now. Is he's saying, there's going to be a time again when we are going to rejoice like they rejoiced before. There's going to be a time again when we are going to rejoice like Moses and Miriam and the people of uh, Israel rejoiced at the presence of God at the tent of meeting. There's going to be a time when we are going to rejoice like when the ark was brought up by David to the city of David. There's going to be a time when we're going to rejoice like they rejoiced in the time of Solomon where the ark of God was brought from the tabernacle, uh, from the tent that David had set up for them, up into Jerusalem and into the great temple. There's going to be a time when we are going to rejoice again because God will again be our salvation. Now, he's speaking to a people who are struggling. They're struggling. Because since the time of Solomon, there have been some ups and there have been some downs. And there have been some foreign nations that have, have come and have said, uh, we're going to take over here. And the Lord has said, you know what? My people, my people who were supposed to be devoted to me, my people who were supposed to be faithful to me, 
you have not been faithful to me. And so I am going to bring in the Assyrians, and they are going to come in. And they're going to cause all kinds of problems. And the people are standing there going, oh no. I feel so alone. And I feel so powerless. And I feel like even God is against us. And in the midst of those proclamations of judgment and a call to repentance, you must turn away from your sin and turn back to the Lord. That's what the prophets are all saying. Then Isaiah gives this hope and he says, there's going to be a time when an offspring of David, someone from the stump of the family tree of David, from Jesse, his father, is going to rise up again. And we are going to see that happen. That's Isaiah chapter 11. And then you will say on that day, I will give thanks to you, O Lord. For though you had been angry with me, your anger has been turned away so that you might comfort me. And behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid. For the Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. And then with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And in that day you will say, give thanks to the Lord and call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. And let this be made known in all the earth. Shout and sing for joy, O inhabitant of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. And he's proclaiming this to a people that needs to remember that God is not a far-off, distant, uncaring, dispassionate God, but a God who is near and with them and in their midst, a God who cares and compassionately loves them, even in his anger toward them, he still yet comes compassionately to save them and embrace them as their God in their midst. And one of the ones that he was speaking to is King Hezekiah. And King Hezekiah needed the encouragement from Isaiah. And in 2 Chronicles chapter 30, verse 26 and 27, it says this. So there was great joy in Jerusalem. For since the time of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, there had been nothing like this in Jerusalem. And then the priests and the Levites arose and blessed the people, and their voice was heard, and their prayer came to his holy habitation in heaven. And they celebrated and rejoiced because the God was again with them. And I want you to know that when you are feeling alone, when you are feeling wounded, 
when you are struggling and when you feel like nobody sees and nobody knows and nobody cares and nobody understands. That we have a God who has not changed. His character has not changed. He has not decided suddenly, you know what, I don't care about people anymore, and so I'm just going to stand back and watch. This is the same God who is yet in our midst, who is yet our Savior, who yet brings us great joy. We have seen how powerful the presence of the Lord was for the people of Israel and for his people through history. And we're going to celebrate that that God has not changed and is still with us. And next week, we're going to talk about how his presence with us now is even more spectacular than what we were just reading about. Those times when they would come out of their tent and they'd look and they'd see, yep, the tent of meeting's all lit up. The presence of God is here with us. Those times when they were sitting in the desert and God was providing for them, having just taken them out of Egypt and was now providing food for them in the desert. Those times when they were rejoicing because the presence of, of God had fallen and was in the tabernacle that David had set up or was in uh, the um, temple that Solomon had, had built, and the presence of God was with them so that the priests couldn't even stand in the presence of God. We have something that is more spectacular than that that we are going to celebrate next week, which is the presence of God with us. And I'll give you a hint, it does have something to do with Christmas. Let's pray. Oh, Lord God, we are grateful that you have promised that you will never leave us or forsake us, that you are our great God who is in our midst, not far off, not hard to reach or get a hold of, but right here with us. And so, Lord, I pray this morning that we might be filled with great joy because of your presence here today. Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit would fill us with your joy and with your peace, knowing that you have saved us from our sin and that in that hope we might be with you in your presence here today and forevermore. I pray for those who are here today who uh, are rejoicing this week because of the family and the friends that they will spend time with. I, I pray, Lord, that you would increase their joy as you are present there with them. I pray for those who are feeling alone, Lord, that you would increase their joy, that they would know that you are there with them. Father, that wherever we are and whatever we do, today and tomorrow and next week, that we would know that you are our God who is with us.
And it is for that reason that we praise you. Amen.